Hello and welcome to Living Abroadcast, the podcast about where people are from, how they got here, and what they're doing now. I'm Eric. I'm James. And I'm Mikey. And welcome back to, uh, well, it's the third time we've recorded, I guess, technically, episode two. We did episode zero, and then episode one, uh, kind of give you a taste of what it's... uh, what it's going to sound like, and now we have evolved once again. We have a brand new piece of equipment that uh, hopefully we're going to be recording with from here on out. So if you notice a bit of a change in the uh, in the audio quality, not just my voice, I'm aware that uh, we are recording our first full episode with uh, me a little under the weather. But uh, voice quality down, audio quality is up. Podcast yeah, quality up. steadily declining. Yeah. But yeah, we're not messing around anymore, folks. That's uh, the main message we're getting across here. We've got these very... We've gone, we've gone big time. Yeah, not messing no, around. No, I know. Spending we've hit the big, big time. time. Yeah. It's going to force us to actually do this as well, which is going to be good. Yeah. That's good, yeah. A bit of an excuse. Put some money on the line. Once again, also just an excuse to get together and have some beers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> seems to be uh, a theme and a is that, good theme is. Is that not why anybody does a podcast? I think so. I think that's why they're invented. Right? Yeah. Well, even Rogan himself out there. That's, that's well, that's to get high. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, on the same, we uh, haven't got, the same ballpark. Haven't got to that level just yet. Haven't got there. No, no. no. Pretty soon we'll have Elon Musk blazing on here, though. Yeah. Getting yeah. kicked off another board. Yeah. I mean, he's another. living abroad. <laughs> yeah. That's true. We could have him. Yeah. Can no, he musky? fits. Yeah. Get Musky on the line here. <laughs> okay. But, uh, it's another feature of this brand new soundboard we have, guys. We can do... Uh, FaceTime, we can do phone calls. People can call yeah. in from abroad. <laughs> yeah. For real. It's uh, going to be uh, really good. You could probably even email the, email this board. That's true. Do we have yeah. an email yet? We do, Eric? we do. Oh. Living a broadcast. Living a broadcast at gmail.com. Elon, please. <laughs> Send us something. listening. This will get yeah. to him. Yeah. Yes. I have confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Musk, Muskies out there listening right now. And we were just talking about some very sad news we heard in, uh, in uh, Vancouver. That uh, a legendary bar slash hostel is uh, is closing down. The oldest pub in Vancouver, the Camby, is closing its doors for good. 122 years old. 122 years Stat old. Man. That's oldest almost man. as old as James. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting there. <laughs> Nearly there, guys. Yeah, a few there. years off. But uh, yeah, well, Mikey, you were there. Uh, just when it opened, right, James? Yeah, I was the first customer. It's, uh, you know, still goes goes way back, like just feels great, you know, but uh, it doesn't feel so great as closing down, although I must specify, you're not sure if it's the hostel or the bar. No, I briefly read the article and I was so upset I didn't want to read anymore, but I assume, yeah. I assume the building has to be heritage if it's 122 years old, so the building's not going. Well, when I first went in there and, you know, started putting in the fixtures and fittings uh, 122 years ago, it was, uh, you know, a very different time then. So these days... The candles. Yeah, yeah, the candles. We're all doing everything by candle. Like, this is what you youngsters don't get, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And then once you completed it, you walked right up to the bar and you're like, I'll have one warm beer, please. Uh, but the yeah, Camby's one of them... Uh, nostalgic places where I think everybody's got a couple of incredible stories of either meeting people or something incredibly weird and wacky happening there. I remember one time I was sitting down with a group of friends, they're all either from Germany or Sweden and we were sitting at one of the long tables and I think that's the thing that people liked about the Canby the most. It was one of the last remaining bars where there were where there were um, big long tables and you could actually talk to random people. You'd be sitting amongst them. And I remember I was just talking to a friend and a cockroach I just saw crawling up her shoulder and I was like, Jesus, fuck. And then I look behind and then we like rip away some wallpaper 
and there's this huge infestation of cockroaches oh. and literally hundreds come pouring out. We get the server over and then the manager comes over and they're like, okay, that's it. We're closed for the night. We're going, <laughs> we're going. And like rushes everybody out. It was wow. absolutely disgusting. I mean, we went back a couple of days later. Say. That wasn't going to put us <laughs> off, you know. Lamb, dude. Uh, great yeah. memories, you know, yeah. the cockroach infestations, you know. Yeah. It's just a place that keeps on giving. You close the bar down. That's kind of a lame move. Well, at least it wasn't for good. Maybe that's why they <laughs> are closing down for so. good. Maybe. Maybe right. it's uh, they need to be fumigated. sterilized, t- fumigated. Well, fumigated, I haven't read the article sterilized. yet, but maybe it's that family of cockroaches have bought the building. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, Mikey, yeah, you skim read the headline. He had tears in his eyes at the time, so he just couldn't see the rest of the text there. Pretty but much. Uh, I like the build up there that you saw the one cockroach on the shoulder and then the wallpaper there, just, oh, just nonchalantly. It was a, ni- it was a nightmare. Off. It was it's what nightmares were made out of. Well, you've I been swear. having some bad dreams lately. That's uh, that's for I another have. podcast. So it, I've got know, I felt a bit fluey. Whenever I feel fluey, I have really weird lucid dreams. And I had done no hallucinogenic drugs <laughs> leading up to this dream. It's a disclaimer. But I was with some guests or some clients that we work with, and we're on a sidewalk in the city, and I'm talking to them, and then suddenly I see my old roommate walk past this German girl and we didn't get along very well. She was just, we just were very different people. And I was like, oh, hey, how you going? I won't say names. And she goes, Mikey, is that you? I'm like, yeah, hey. She goes, I've got a bone to pick with you. I go, I go what? She goes, you impregnated me. <laughs> I'm like, well, we didn't fuck to start with. And then she goes, this is yours. And I thought she's going to bring out a baby. <laughs> and what she brings out is a three-headed snake like a real slimy one. And I'm like, what the fuck? And my, my first instinct isn't, oh, I've knocked someone up or, oh, my baby is a three-headed snake. <laughs> my first instinct was, oh, fuck, this is really going to affect my tips today with my, <laughs> with my a guests. A three-headed snake. <laughs> I woke up and I was sweaty and I'm like, man, this fever is really freaking me out. Yeah, I was drawn into that. I forgot it was a dream. I was like, I was kind of thinking like, where's this three-headed it was, snake? It was seriously vivid That's, it was as, as yeah. well. It was, uh, it was scary. So, what colour was the snake? Uh, it was like maroon, maroon, like a dark purple. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like you, you did this, Mikey. Yeah. This is yours. Did you look at it and be like, oh, that snake has my eyes? <laughs> well, I, no, I, I, didn't go, I didn't get a paternity test. I woke up before then, but that's ah, okay. that would have been my next step in the Wait, dream, well, I think. Climbing. Let us know if you have, a, if you have another dream. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep you updated. Yeah, thank you. On them ones. Yeah. I actually went to the Camby, though, uh, with some guests one time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, how did that go? You, any cockroaches uh, on their shoulders? No, no cockroaches, <laughs> but uh, one of uh, one of the the guests uh, was determined to get me incredibly shit faced and make me spill all the beans about the uh, tourism industry in Vancouver. They were from Arizona, so they want some dark secret sweeter dish out. No, I didn't let them get me drunk. Okay, I mean, what did they have in mind? What were they expecting to find out? It's not. I don't really know. They were really just like. Um, they're just like, tell us the stuff that you can't tell us on our tour, and I'm like. Like, what do you want to know? And they're like, <sighs> I, I don't even know if I should say this. You should definitely say it. You've definitely, already started, yeah. mate. You Come on. You can't tease it. They asked me why there were no black people in Vancouver. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and your response? That's a good point. I didn't have a good one for them. I mean, it is something very obviously when you come from the States and then you come to Vancouver. It's yeah, probably... it's also not something abundantly true. I mean... It's not something you really think about when you're walking around. Like it's been a while since no. I uh, saw anyone. An overwhelming 
yes. you know, section of our population here, but it. But it's also, I mean, it's you know lower than other races that we have here because we have such an international demographic. Yes. You know, I think that's probably maybe what they were alluding to more is that there's far more other international races here. I'd say. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it went a bit deeper. Maybe than that, not. Did it? <laughs> went a bit deeper than that. Yeah. What they were getting at. Uh, but that's not even really insight into the tourism industry here. But no, no not at all. That's just their yeah. own curiosities. Yeah. <laughs> it's just secret KKK members trying to get <laughs> Eric drunk. <laughs> Well, and it's still, as I say, an unanswered question. You, you, yeah. you don't even know. Yeah. So that's how it ended. They were like, do another shot, Eric, tell mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Uh, Is that Jay, the last time you've ever taken a guest out drinking then? I assume so. They took me out drinking. Yeah. What well, was that the last time that you've ever said yes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I've intentionally gone out for drinks with guests. I mean, I've bumped into people. Oh, just randomly bumped Yeah, into walked them. by on yeah, the Granville Strip or something. Oh, yeah, this one yeah. was specifically can be based. Well, they were staying in an Airbnb across the street. So, oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. it's uh, um, not not such a neat transition, but uh, a little thing just off the top of my head. I think of the Camby. Met a lovely girl that night, as you do, and she'd had a few too many and threw up all over the table. We we're on one of those long tables, so said tables, long old picnic table, throw up absolutely everywhere, and uh, yeah, I had to kind of leave after that. So. Well, you just bailed on her. Uh, well, I, I was going to be sick myself, so I had to uh, just just get out there. Damn, <laughs> you don't want to uh, you don't want to be in the in the in the fire danger zone, you know. Just had to uh, had to get out there. No, I I stayed with her, and uh, but uh, she wasn't really in a good way, so uh, well, she was staying at the hostel. So. Yeah, not, not a No wonder there was like a cockroach and vermin throw infestation. Up. Yeah, why is this place? Good? Yeah, if anyone likes throw to up <laughs> everywhere throughout. Yeah, it. these fond memories of cockroaches and lots sick. of food for them. Yeah, food for food. We're not painting the Camby mm. with a very good picture. No, it's sorry to any, uh, anyone directly it's involved with the Camby. cockroaches, racists. <laughs> okay, so yeah, cockroaches, as I said. Yeah. Cockroaches. But we have lots of time to, uh, to, uh, to still make some more memories in the Camby because the article that we probably should have read more thoroughly before <laughs> we uh, even started talking about it's this. It's probably like, it's closing for one month for res- renovations. Yeah. <laughs> but it's closing in November. Yeah, so we've got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah lots of time nine. to make more memories. Yeah. Maybe we can host a podcast from the Canby. Well, wow. that's what I was going to say. They've got a hostel upstairs. Lots of internationals coming through there. Yeah, we can do a live hostel takeover segment. Oh, that would be amazing. That well, would be amazing. Yeah, yeah we can Lock interview, it in. interview those staff members. You know, what's uh, what stuff have you had to deal with? They're the yeah. real dark secrets of the tourism industry. <laughs> For yeah. real, I think. That, yeah, the the Canby hostel itself is a uh, is a dark secret of the tourism industry in <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, does it? Did it mention uh, reading on there? Did it say why they're closing? Is it just uh, too many? Races? It doesn't. Uh, He's just it doesn't it go again. into that. He's, skim, it, he's made the same again. mistake yeah. again. Just yeah. another skim read. The emotions came flooding back as soon as you saw November. You know you're on borrowed time. Yeah, November thirtieth. It's shutting down. The iconic establishment hasn't put out an official statement on its closure, but posted on its social media channels that there will be an update on Monday. Oh. Okay. Could just be a big like marketing ploy. Yeah. If it's not even official yet, we're getting our knickers in a knot for nothing. Hashtag uh, save the Camby. Yeah, yeah, put it out there. It's already made me want to go back. It's been a little while, so uh, yeah. it's working. It's marketing. Like, damn yeah, no All righty, well, let's close this podcast down now and let's no kidding. head off. Yeah, let's continue. Yeah, if you have any Camby memories, email us livingabroadcast at gmail.com and uh, yeah, share them with us. Yeah, yeah 100%. Cool. Well, um, with that out of the way, uh, we do have a guest with us today. Special um, guest. Yeah, as promised, we uh, 
are going to have a new guest every week. We might have repeats. Who knows? If, if he does a good job today, we'll let him back on. But uh, anyways, we are joined. Uh, maybe Mikey can give him a better introduction than I can. Yeah. My uh, current housemate, uh, Keegan. Keegan, how you going, mate? Welcome. Very oh, well. I thought you were going <laughs> to... Give him a more uh, flattering introduction than that. Ah, keep it I real. could have told keep everyone he was your housemate. Oh, what did you want? Well, I thought he was here to give us his background. That is true. And it's a nice you know, uh, coming. Please give us your date of birth, your weight, height, eye colour, <laughs> um, DNA makeup. 163 <laughs> centimetres, weight's 166 pounds. No, thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate Inaugural it. Inaugural guest. Pleasure. pleasure. Uh, I mean, Mike, you've got to feel... James, Eric. You've got to pleasure feel... Pleasure to be here on uh, Travelling a Broadcast. You've yes. got to feel um, pretty special that you're the first guest. It, it wasn't just because you're the only person we knew that has Fridays <laughs> off. Definitely. You're available. No, not at all. Definitely wasn't for that reason. Um, but thank you for uh, doing it. We, Thanks for we being definitely here. Yeah, appreciate it. No, it's good. Uh, you know, uh, living with Mike, um, there's never a dull moment. But as soon as he told me that he was uh, getting on board with this podcasting, I was very intrigued and uh, happy to come on board and, yeah, just share a few stories. Loves the sound of his own voice. So awesome. I had no problem getting on. No, I'm joking. I'm joking with that. Well, we do live together, but... Uh, well, we you guys live together, live together in a much more uh, kind of <laughs> funny way. Before Previously, your current living situation. Well, I think I've spoken about the famous Shaughnessy House earlier where we mm-hmm. lived with yeah. eight, nine or ten people at various stages and that's where we first yeah. met. I had already been living there and then uh, Keegan came along. But maybe we can go back before then. And uh, do you want to share about how you actually decided to come to Vancouver in the first place? I don't know if it was actually your decision but you managed to get here either way. Yeah, how I got here and to where I am now, I guess, um, you know, yeah, it is a bit of a story. I'll try and keep it as short and uh, uh, serious or funny as possible. But, we got all uh, the time in the world. All the time in the world. <laughs> well, until November cool. 30th. <laughs> cool, yeah. Well, um, no, it wasn't my original decision to come to Canada or North America. Um, it was my girlfriend at the time. We'd been dating for a few years and, uh, yeah, Throughout the idea of getting some work permit visas and then coming to Canada to just see the travel, um, have a break. Um, for her, it was a bit more serious, a bit more of a career uh, choice than mine. I'd been working in the trade and on the tools since I left high school. So I just wanted to have a break. I was just going to come up here and travel, do some hiking and, and chill out, enjoy the summer. Um, and on 1st of June 2015, I arrived. Uh, shortly, a couple of weeks after that, I moved into... The Shaughnessy House, uh, where we had about eight expats living uh, from England, Ireland, New Zealand, Australia. And later on, we had one Canadian representative, so local. And uh, yeah, I met Mike there in the house. Where, where was she from in Canada? Victoria. Was she? There you go. That shows how much I spoke to her. I was just looking at Mikey's uh, facial expressions there. So, was, uh... Well, you said you just wanted to come over for a good time just for the summer. And if my math is correct, you've been here for four years and one month basically now. Nice. That's right. So you would have never expected for that to have happened. No, not at all. So something has happened or you've fell in love with this city or uh, you've lost your passport or something's <laughs> happened as to why you've, <laughs> you've decided to stay here for so long. No, I'm completely legal here. 
Uh, just putting that on record. Uh, <laughs> it will be uh, will be submitted to. Uh, this yeah, is for the, the, the pod, perfect podcast for like border security agents to listen to to just <laughs> nab all the illegal guests that we have here. How much? Yeah, uh, how much backlash stories are they getting into? Yeah, we we'll should never, we should put out a disclosure. Know. Everybody we have on can legally. Be here. They do have to process. pass through customs yeah, before they're allowed to be on our podcast. Yeah, there's a. We screen. are doing this from the security secured area at the airport. So yeah, yeah you sign the paperwork. It's all above board. And uh, but anyway, Keegan, uh, whereabouts in Australia is home for you? Uh, Perth, Western Australia, on uh, the west coast. So yeah, Mikey and I, we just stumbled into each other at the Shaughnessy House, and then turns out, you know, we potentially played cricket against each other. We follow the same football team and from the the same home city. I mean, our, our neighbourhoods are literally a couple of kilometres away. We would have 100% been in at least the same bar or the same nightclub at the same time, probably several times, been at the same sports ground. It's, it's pretty wild to think about. And out of all the people, we ended up living in this house together. Um, yeah, it's it's funny mm. how these little things, the old uh, butterfly effect or yeah. whatever you whatever you call it, Meant yeah. to be with destiny, mate. <laughs> Star-crossed but, friends. Yeah, but, well, yeah. I, I didn't know you were both from Perth. That's awesome. That's like, yeah, the fact that's really, really is like synchronicity. At its South best. of the river as well, mate, the best part. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> or as uh, the Irish would say, Perth. Perth. So I know to say, say, you're from Perth. Perth. You're from Perth. Yeah. In here three years. Oh, sorry, that's probably a bit racist, isn't it, guys? <laughs> uh, sorry about that. But uh, yeah, carry on, Keegan. Yeah. Uh, well, well, six months turned into four years and, yeah, it's gone by a blink of an eye, really. Like, I absolutely love my time here in Vancouver. But um, I guess, yeah, a lot of the people I uh, fell in love with here in Vancouver, uh, the manners and everybody's very hospitable here. Yeah. Then also just the outdoors, mountains and snow. Uh, coming from Australia, we, you know, generally on the West Coast have no snow, if not at all. Through the winters, um, hadn't seen snow until I went to the east coast in Melbourne, out to Mount Buller for a little snowboarding trip. Probably had only two chairlifts open. It was iced over, no fresh snow. And that was the first time I saw snow when I was like 16 years old. So, uh, yeah, certainly love the mountains here and, and the seasons can yeah, slowly, certainly draw you in with uh, the summer high temperatures and then, then the lows of having snow going, going up and boarding. So was it the weather that got its hooks in you that made you want to stay here or? No, I think the fact that the inner city and downtown is so close to the outdoors, which almost feels like it's kind of country, but um, you don't have to travel far at all to get up into the mountains and certainly enjoy the outdoors, which I kind of love. And then having an experience, you know, camping, hiking in the summer and then going to snowboarding on the same similar mountains you know, within the space of six months, it makes like years just sort of kind of melt away, go by really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That balance is once again, that's got you. It's uh, certainly what strikes chords with us too. So uh, yeah, not surprised that the, the old snow, I know you a boarder or a skier. Oh, a snowboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's where it's at. Really annoyed me because I'd been snowboarding for a couple of years when Keegan moved. I guess you'd been snowboarding, what you said, once or twice at Mount Buller. Yeah, twice. You're, you're a keen skater when you were younger as well. Bit of a bit of a park rat, okay. as was James. Was yeah, it? yeah. Um, but I remember it was like the second time we went snowboarding together, and you like hit this rail, and I'm like, I've been snowboarding for two years, and I can't even do that. I remember deep <laughs> down, I was like, Fuck this, so yeah. so. <laughs> Did you do? A, was it a board slide? A little cheeky uh, tap on the rail? Yeah, yeah. It's it like a fifty-fifty or something like that. I remember it was at the top of Cyprus. Yeah. Yeah, Just but but it was good because we lived with a couple of guys that all liked snowboarding and stuff like 
like that. So um, it was it was pretty good. That camaraderie when you when you start off somewhere with a house full of ten people, all of a sudden you have ten best friends, and then you meet all of them friend their friends, and then suddenly you have this little community like straight away. So it's like the best way. Yeah, like that's essentially why I, I jumped on the Shaughnessy house just uh, to have things in common with people that have been here for a while just to make friends of friends and just sort of network a bit that way. Yeah. yeah I think you were a bit more keen than your girlfriend at the time. My ex-girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> yeah she was uh, certainly not too interested in moving into a big party share house. It was a bit of a party house. She, and yeah. uh, you, didn't, uh, you didn't get into work straight away. No, I... Uh, How long I was, did you have off <laughs> before you started working here? Like a lot of Australians that come here and I'm sure other like um, people, you know, work holiday visas and, and migrating, come over with a bit of a chunk of change. I didn't work for probably the first four to five months, took the summer off. Um, I'm an avid golfer, I love golf, um, you know, so I worked at the university golf course and go. just started serving out there, getting some free golf. Um, yeah, a lot of tanning, a lot of swimming and just taking Living it the easy. Dream. For the summer. Was it UBC? Yeah. Nice. And we had, uh, yeah, we had the swimming pool at the Shaughnessy house that year, which was... Uh, it didn't have a uh, pump or a filter. didn't have a filter. <laughs> so mm, it wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we had to fill it up via the garden hose. Mm. I don't know if I should say good, this, but we filled week. one of the biggest personal pools I've ever seen. Concrete. The deep end was like 10 feet deep. Underground, old school. It was ridiculous. Had a diving board. We filled it up with this garden hose during like watering restrictions. It's a bit of a drought in 2015. <laughs> it was like one of the warmest and driest summers on record. And we've got oh this hose running into the pool for like three days straight. So you were the reason for the water shortage. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I, I, one of those grass Personally, holes. I, was, I worry about this kind of shit. But I was so worried that one of our neighbours was going to dob us in. But uh, we got away with it and had a pretty cool swimming swim pool for the... Uh, mm. For the for the summer, it was it yeah. was my most memorable time. I think that summer living in the Shaughnessy house when when you first moved in. It was a really good summer. It yep. was really good. How yep. long did that water last before it started to take a turn? After Brian's thirtieth birthday party. Yeah, we oh. had a big birthday party. There was a lot of mud, dirt, we sunscreen, probably for about three weeks. Alcohol, I think. drugs. After yeah, that party, fluids. There was one Just big dirty cocktail. People with like sunscreened, sunblocked uh. bodies getting in there, and then you know. Yeah, the next day it, it was, was looking green. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. They've <laughs> actually that got night. a. Co- oh, go ahead. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, you're right. Oh, I was just <laughs> going to say they have actually a cocktail on the uh, menu at the Canby called the Shaughnessy House, and in the, the description <laughs> it just says one big dirty cocktail. Oh, <laughs> it's just a glass full from that. Horrible. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but after living there for a while, um, we all went, you know, kind of separate ways. Uh, with the house as it got sold um, and uh, somebody bought it, surprisingly enough. And then, yeah, I moved out and went into an apartment just in the South Granville area with my girlfriend. Um, you know, and uh, coming to Canada for us, both of us, we were the first time living together. So there was a whole lot of changes, you know. We'd been living in our uh, folks' place in Australia and then we decided, yep, we're going to do Canada. It's, it's time's come around, so we're going to start living together. Um, then moved into an apartment in yeah, South Granville. Um, and at the same time, I got a job uh, back with BMW. I worked uh, five years on the tools with BMW in Australia. Uh, their training is internationally recognised. And I uh, certainly noticed how many European cars were here in and around Vancouver and a lot of dealerships around the lower mainland. So that kick-started the thing for a while. And Had to go back to that, work, finally. Mm, <laughs> I did, yes. I think at that point, I kind of also decided, like, deep down that I was going to give this a go. 
year. It wasn't just, you know, working on a golf course, taking it easy, looking to travel around. I kind of really started to enjoy my time here and yeah. look to actually like cement my place. And it kind of comes as a bit of a challenge too. Like when you start to make that mental shift and that change in attitude, it's like, can I do this here in another country? Can yeah. I do what mm-hmm. I did back home without the support to do it here? It uh, brings on a whole precipice of another challenge to yeah. yourself. And I kind of got addicted to that and still kind of am a awesome. little bit. Yeah, getting that big solid career is is the turning point, I think. Like mm-hmm. me for three years, I, I was gardening in the summer, working up at Cypress Mountain at the ski resort in the winter. And it was just very casual, go with the flow. And now I've got like a full-time job that I work pretty much throughout the year. And when I got that job, that was when I was like, okay, yeah. Time for permanent residency and get things get things yeah. stable here. Before we get off on that tangent, I do have a quick question directly yeah, related to your job. Um, you said you noticed the surplus of European cars in Vancouver. Correct. Now, doing what we do, um, one of the most common comments I get are the amount uh, are on the amount of uh, nice cars in the city, and I never have a direct answer for why they're like, "Why does everyone drive such nice cars here?" And uh, maybe because you work more directly with people with these nice cars. I do, yeah. You have a uh, more definitive answer than I could ever have. There's quite a lot of reasons um, that are at play here. Um, one, uh, obviously we have had a lot of Chinese immigrants coming in and, and around Hong Kong. These European vehicles that are imported into China, they're a non-domestic vehicle. So the price range of these cars, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, uh, almost double the price in comparison, in comparison to their domestic cars that they produce in China. So in China annually about 28 million vehicles get sold. And put those numbers in perspective, you have 8 million from Mercedes, 8 million from BMW worldwide. But China are selling their own domestic vehicles 28 million a year because it's so much cheaper. So for them to come over and then have the banks offer a 3% interest rate for financing a new vehicle, which is also very low too. Probably, you know, in North America, close to the lowest than any other, you know, country can do. So they get a low finance interest rate. The cars are so much more cheaper already for them than what they're used to. Um, They're going to buy them. You know, they like to also, for for them in their culture, they like to show a bit of wealth as well. I don't know if you were telling me this or... We heard it on a TV show, but to own a car in China, don't you have to go into a lottery or something like that? Yeah, what yeah. Are you talking um, about that, just like not not to just be able to e- buy one. Yeah, you go into a lottery, and only like one in every thousand, thousand people can actually have the right to own a car in China because there are so many cars on the road. Actually, wouldn't be a bad thing for Vancouver, to be honest. Yeah, it's the future. But uh, you know, Eric, I thought you were actually. <laughs> I know you own a V dub and when you I thought you were gonna ask Keegan to do a little bit of work on your car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you know a lot about European cars. Oh, okay. Hmm. Cool, cool. Excellent. Excellent. That's actually a uh, far more insightful answer than I ever uh, realized there was to that question. Yeah. I, well yeah, I think it's the leasing of cars as well yeah. and Yeah, they have the lease options, they have a, such a low finance. Um, like, we don't really well. lease cars in Australia, do we? It's no, not, we not don't real, have any leasing it's options not, at not all. A thing. Yeah, I mean, leasing cars, its they're almost becoming like mobile phones now. Mm-hmm. You just yeah, get them for a few years. Trade you, you spend a certain amount of month, um, a little bit more extra for covering on services and warranties and repairs. And then every five years, 
you go and do it again and you get yourself another new one and you just keep going over and over that. And once people do get used to those monthly repayments, they will financially suit themselves to sustain that. Do you ever see a lot of um, like rust issues because of all the salt on the road? Is that actually a thing? Because I hear that, but I don't know if that's actually a thing. Yeah, it's not so bad in BC. Obviously, yeah. the rain pretty much washes everything away yeah. when it comes to salt in the roads and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, anybody who's driven out there in a bit of snow for a while across the Coke or out to Kelowna, Okanagan, oh, yeah. or even further, the snow builds up in the guards and it can re-ice over again from the salt in low temperatures overnight. And then it just sticks there and gets caught up in the little you know, crevices and cracks and hangs around and then just eats into the vehicles. But I don't deal with that too much in BC, not working at BMW, mostly new cars. It's uh, it's pretty gravy. Good. And does that extend to a vehicle that you've got through work as well? Like how did, how did it work there? Are you, uh, are you able to get downtown without a car or what, what's your kind of setup? Yeah, I just live at uh, Mike and I on commercial drive and I just drive to and from work in the Kitsilano dealer at, uh, at Fifth and Barad. Um, yeah, managed to get a little BMW wagon through work, so look after their employees a little bit that way, which is nice. Um, yeah. Well, so uh, next time somebody asks me about uh, the nice cars in Vancouver, I'm just going to play them a recording of this snippet of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, pretty, much. pretty much. So uh, anyways, you got your career sorted out, uh, you know, got the BMW job, pretty uh, solid work situation. Is that how you got your permanent residency? Yeah, Uh after working solid full-time 12 months uh, for the year, um, I'd just say that very formally because that's kind of what was required as going far as permanent residency for anybody else listening. Um, and, yeah, it was with my profession and my trade. So I was able to apply for express entry that way and uh, I actually used an immigration advisor and paid for her services and um, my partner was able to also obtain residency as uh, she was common law. We were living together. Uh, and that process was definitely a bumpy one. Like it was not as smooth. Some people have a very nice straightforward story about it. Mine was not. Mm-hmm. And they, you can get it from like, you know, probably like a year from start to finish if everything goes smoothly. Uh, but unfortunately for me, it probably took about a couple of years. Um, I'd worked with BMW for a year. So I got that 12 months uh, as a criteria. criteria. Uh, I didn't have a university degree or anything like that. There's a couple of ways going about doing it in British Columbia. Now, Mikey is also doing this through the provincial nomination program in British Columbia where trades or desirable positions of like a company will and can be sponsored by the employer through the British Columbia um, Provincial Nomination Program. So if you have enough points, if you're working with your profession, they can basically pretty much assess that for you. They'll look into it with all the appropriate paperwork. And if you are a desirable employee in a certain position, you can be approved for this uh, program. Now that program basically sponsors you and pre-approves you up to the point of your permanent residency application. Um, I was able to get that and it got me 700 points. So when I did do that, um, I was then able to activate my permanent residency by doing a border crossing. Unfortunately, it wasn't as straightforward. I had my immigration advisor apply for an extension of my open work permit. And when she did that, rather than for my PNP visa, I was rejected. And then when I was rejected, I couldn't work. 
I was completely caught in no man's land. I was in the middle of everything. Application um, process would probably be like eight months down the line at this point. Um, you know, had the PMP application approved, that was great, but she did the wrong thing. I was actually supposed to just go down to a border crossing, like Point Roberts, for example, get into the States and back, and then activate my PNP that way. But I was her first tradesperson that she'd was, advised and I remember sorted it, out. It was like the first time she had done one of these applications. Yeah, right yeah. So it's a bit different. She was learning her. as she was going along and yeah, it got me screwed over, yeah. It's a bit different um, for somebody who has a university degree because anywhere like companies in Toronto or even here in Vancouver can assess your education credentials. But for tradespeople like electricians, plumbers, mechanics, there's nobody to assess you on your education or anything like that. So then you're forced to have to go through PMP. Which British Columbia actually have got their like shit sorted on, they're pretty good, they yeah, contact it's a good you way a to lot. Do it. Good Definitely a really good day, good way to do it. Yeah. Um, long story short on that one, um, after, you know, not working for two weeks and thinking I might get deported, went down to the border with appropriate paperwork, activated my PMP visa and then then began the residency application after that. Yeah. I, remember, I remember that day because you sent me a message saying, hey, mate, uh, things haven't worked out, got to fly back to Australia and being the gullible bloke that I am, completely believed you and uh, you had me going for a little bit there. I wow. thought you were thought you were on your way Sorry. out. <laughs> but, but you uh, Still hurts. you strategically, didn't you strategically cross at Point Roberts because they don't have an airport so they couldn't deport yeah. you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. They had to My let you back into immigration Canada. Immigration advisor, she literally said to me, oh, you should go to Point Roberts. I was like, oh, like there's a crossing down there. She's like, yeah, like it just, it's just below Torson, right where the land runs out. Like it's really good there because – uh, when you do a crossing there, there is no way or means of them deporting you back to your country. So there was no way they could get you to an airport or off on a boat to be able to send you away. Gone. So I was like, that's really comforting knowing that I've, yeah. you know. Well, I ended up doing the same thing. Did you go you to told Point me Roberts? I went to Point Roberts because of what Keegan just uh, said. <laughs> Don't blame you. Yeah, where were you guys uh, five years ago? Yeah. It's, it's all a bit of a laugh now, but when you're going no. through it, oh, it's no, stressful. It's I mean, yeah, we can relate. I'm, I'm on the back stretch. James has done it. He went through an absolute nightmare process doing it. It's yeah, wow. PNP, PNP for me too. Um, so, yeah, I can definitely relate. But And here's Eric just sitting here. Eric's ah, just like... Has no, yeah. no concept of Birth the Birthright citizenship, hey. baby. Got your Canadian blood. Yeah. Think you're Good old knuckle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maple syrup flowing through my veins. <laughs> yes. But uh, have you guys got your maple syrup injections yet? Not yet. To live I, here, I think I'm, ma- I'm maple syrup deficient. I think that's once you honest. become a citizen, then they they take you down and they fill uh, up a syringe full of it and they that's on shoot it right into you. Does MSP cover that? <laughs> yeah, okay. it, it, maple it's, syrup it's a little protection. bit of a premium, but uh, okay, uh, yes. I'll pay the extra. It's good but maple syrup. If I get the good organic stuff, I'm happy to. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you know it's my MSP organic. maple syrup protection. So it's uh, that's what gossip bloody covers. As long as it's vegan friendly, I'm all good. <laughs> now, Keith, well, I mean, that's not where your dramas ended because no. you got this is this is one of the best parts of the story. Looking <laughs> this is back where it on starts it, a ramp up, I guess. Because you you got approved for permanent residency, mm. and the last thing that hap- had to do is for you to get your little car with card, which is essentially it looks like a driver's license. Yeah. So that should have been pretty straightforward, but it wasn't. Unfortunately, not. No. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so things of things weren't working out with the relationship. Um, we both decided to go uh, separate ways, and the timing of that, uh, you know, wasn't very good. In considering we had to wait for these 
um, residential cards to come. Also, good for me because I was moving out of my house and I needed a housemate. So, perfect. There you go. It's meant to be. (laughs) Keep the same home address while you're doing this permanent residency stuff. It can be changed, but it's uh, it's it's basically everything's tethered to your current address. So With it can the, be done. It's just a whole yeah. upheaval. With the timing of it all, um, we decided to risk it as we felt that we had about six weeks at the at our current address and at the home for the cards to arrive. You know, once we had granted uh, residency, let's put this on record again, once we had granted <laughs> residency for both of us, common law partnership, uh, it wasn't until later on after that date that we decided um, to go separate ways. Um, in, in the waiting um, of the end of the lease and at the end of the month, unfortunately our cards hadn't arrived. We'd moved elsewhere and trying to keep in contact with our landlady in, in you know, saying, hey, look, yeah, keep your heads out for a mail. We've got these cards coming. It's pretty important. We didn't end up getting them. They got mailed back to Ottawa. Oh, no. We then had to recontact... Uh, you know, IEC, uh, Canadian Immigration, to get them that. resent. Yeah. That was a massive process. And then we almost got blindsided by the immigration. They just basically ghosted us. They stopped contacting us. Meanwhile, we're that contacting doesn't sound, That doesn't sound like them at all. Advisor, <laughs> advisor about it and she's just sort of started stressing out as well. Like, oh, I've never seen this before. Like, you know, like when did you guys decide to separate? And we're like, well, it was well after the date of our granted residency, we're still living together. And she's like, oh, okay, well, technically, legally, you're all okay. It's just, um, yeah, like they were taking their sweet ass time with it. But then also we had one person from immigration say it should be within the next six weeks. This is my – this they had, and when they did reply an email, it was their officer number, it was this, this, all very formal. Then we had another one saying that they were going to look into our files even more. And that was just it almost. So super vague, thinking the worst, obviously – like, you know, here we go. It's going to be a bit more um, And you know, Any little email like that, you read into it way too much. Oh, you think, oh, oh my God. You know, yeah, it, like, it, gets, uh, it gets the heart going. It's, uh, you know, you've got, you've your got the immigration sweats. sweats. Yeah, yeah the they, immigration yeah, sweats. Yeah, That's yeah. a great term the for eye, it. The eye sweats. We, yeah. We all and, uh, yeah, so the months just start ticking away at this point. Um, you know, they only reply to you probably once every two weeks. And then I was like, okay, so I've got to be a bit more hard-hitting here. Like I had one guy tell me it was going to be within six weeks. He put his officer's number on the email. So I said, this officer, this number, said it was going to be within six weeks. What's going on? Then, And as I was a primary applicant, it was like a bit of a different tune. Um, they contacted me back in two weeks and said, yep, it, it's, it's in the post. It's on the way. But also at the time... Um, with Canada Post and using the government mail system also takes time. And this was in the middle of the year, last year, and I was flying out to Russia for the FIFA Soccer World Cup and I needed to get this card, otherwise I had no way or means of getting back into Canada because the document says you are granted with residency but the card is what they consider to be a valid ID of travelling in and out of the country. It's almost like a passport to get in and out of Canada. Exactly. And it's just this little weird grey area that you were stuck in. You had permanent residency but not the card and you were due to leave the country. Yeah. um, It didn't arrive in time. I ended up in Russia with just my document and my advisor just telling me just, you know, just go with the flow, try and board on that plane to come back and 
you know, tell them you're visiting or whatever, you know, just so, okay, I was just going to cross that bridge when I get to it and enjoy my time in Russia and the World Cup. But that's always constantly simmering below the surface, you yeah. know, in the back it of your was, mind. It was, yeah. I even it's went to try to go to the Australian embassy in Russia. They didn't want to, no, sorry, the Canadian embassy in Russia. They didn't want to know me without a Canadian passport. So then I also went to another visa office in Russia, in Moscow. And you, there is a way that you can apply for an application that will grant you um, the permit to travel when you're in this little grey period or whatever, you know. But what I would have had to have done in Moscow was surrender my passport to be sent away and that was two weeks. And I'm like, I'm, tra- I'm going to have to travel to St. Petersburg and there was no way I'm going to hand my passport over literally physically in Russia Like imagine for being two weeks. stuck in Russia. <laughs> yeah, and then I wouldn't have been able to get out of Russia at all. Well, I mean, I travelled to Russia five years ago and when you stay at a hotel or a hostel there, you have to hand in your passport in order to stay at the hotel. And that scared the shit out of me just doing that, just having the front desk people hold my passport, let alone sending it to God knows where and not knowing when it would come back. During the whole stay, they've got your passport. During your whole stay. You've got no choice in it. If you want to stay at their hotel, you've got to hand your passport in. They do that in Vietnam as well. Yeah, a lot of of places I I realised. But Russia was the first place. Is this a communist thing? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not that they're communists anymore. In Vietnam, (laughs) they go around and the authorities do like a check-in for everybody at the hotel. They use it as a way of proving who's there. Yeah, so um, I obviously decided not to go down that route and uh, went from Russia to Germany. Um, the Australian uh, passport has pretty good visas when it comes to Germany. Um, you know, I was uh, at the airport and it was an absolute gong show because Germany just were knocked out of the World Cup and I needed to fly into Frankfurt. So everybody was leaving Russia to get back to Germany. All the Germans were very uh, sour and... Uh, the German airport was flooded and it was a good thing I got there two hours early. They asked if I had a visa to get into Canada, which I said yes. Uh, about to board the plane, Frankfurt, Germany. And they asked, uh, oh, um, so do you do you live in Canada or like are you visiting and, and whatnot? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah no, I'll be, I'll be visiting for a short while. Like, oh, where are you staying? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'll be staying with my friend like just off like – you know, in, in Vancouver and when they checked my ID and they saw there was a residential address essentially in Canada and they're like, oh, you live in Canada? I was like, yeah, I, I, I do live there. I, I have my um, permits and whatnot. Um, they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, like show us your permits. And it felt like it was like stereotypically very German. Um, they were very <laughs> by the book, by the book yeah. uh, strict, disciplined. And I can imagine Not just... there's anything wrong with that, obviously. Even the fact that this was in a German accent would have made it <laughs> way more stressful <laughs> and scary, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I folded out my uh, confirmation of permanent residency piece of paper, the document. But across this document, in faded grey writing... A like a watermark, yeah, like a watermark across the back, it says coming. that this document is not valid for travel. Yeah. And I thought, oh, like I unfolded the first half of it and saying, oh, here it is, like, like you covered know, it up. covered it oh, up. Oh, that old yeah. trick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, here's person residency with the barcode them. and the number. How's your day going? Because <laughs> <You know, laughs> like, I had residency, but then she continued to fold it open more and more, and then she looked at it and then uh, dreaded. I just need to see my manager. I'll be back. Oh no, that's not. And I was like, this, I'm screwed at this point. I'm done. And yeah, sure enough, um, he wouldn't wouldn't let me uh, on the plane at all. So I ended up stuck in Frankfurt for the night and had to fly into Seattle. I could fly into America 
I had my valid Esther still on my Australian passport. It was one way. So that's how eventually I got back into Vancouver was getting into Seattle, one direct flight, expensive as, and uh, driving across the border that way. And then I was able to come back into the country. Just couldn't take a commercial form of transport like a plane. Well, so, but, fuck. but you did, didn't, didn't you? T- <laughs> Is that a little... Or maybe not. No, you did take well, a card, didn't you? I was going to take a car. Is listening. <laughs> I was going to take a car. I tried to take a car. I got into Seattle airport and all the rental car companies were flooded. I'd pretty much maxed out my credit card in Russia. So I had money on my debit card to pay. But then with our debit cards here in Canada, they're different to the States where they have their names on it and there's a bit more ID involved. Yeah, they don't and, take, they and don't take the debit credit, cards. credit for everything in the States. Yeah. Um, my debit card as I'm with TD, I'm sure other people could relate, doesn't have your name across it. So I'm trying to purchase this rental car and they wouldn't accept my debit card because there was no name on it. it. had to be credit only. Fair enough. That's just obviously with rental car companies, it's the way. I said, hey, well, what about I pay cash? And like, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that either. And then being on the weekend, if I had transferred money from my debit checking account into my credit card, it wouldn't have gone through straight away unless it was a bank working day. So I was kind of stranded as far as a car goes. So then I had to take another commercial carrier, which was the bus across the border. Uh, Stressing about that too. Greyhounds. Yeah, a Greyhound. Yeah, yeah, like the $40 trip, which has made it a whole lot cheaper than a $500 rental car one-way trip, which is what it was going to cost. And essentially the border officer was just relaxed. And the Canadian border officers are great. Oh, it's great. In comparison to the States. It just wasn't even a big deal, was it? No, he just was like, oh, yeah, coming on through. Like, yeah, sure. You must have had them sweats though. <laughs> you must have been palpitations. Them swept were real at the airport, oh. and the I mean, it was crossing. a relief, mate. I, re- I remember that. I came and picked you up from the from the station, and it was uh, it was a it was a big relief because it was a bloody absolute nightmare for a couple of couple of days there, wasn't it? Deal. Actually, yeah, not the best way to sort of end a great trip. I was going to say, how was the come back <laughs> yeah. after all that? <laughs> after all that. that, that is yeah. Oh, well, fair play to you, man. You're here now, De- very deserving. Beer. Yeah, it's and you got your card. Got the card. That's yes. the main thing. Been here for a while. And you've been in and out of Canada and used that card successfully to I come have. in and out. Yes, I did. Yeah. When I went down to Reno uh, a couple of weeks ago of all places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly. What were you doing there? Uh, I was on a golf trip. Uh, He's a chronic gambler. And uh, <laughs> now I can just, when I come in, scan the card on the nice electronic entries and, and I'm through. Brilliant. Nice and easy. Feels good. You tested the waters. It's all, it, it works. It's just that, but <laughs> even that first time when you've got it in your hand, until you've done it and you haven't got a little hand on your shoulder as you're walking through immigration, you're scot free, you're out of there, and it feels good. Cause you, and I mean, that is an ordeal, one hell of an ordeal you've gone through. But do you feel at this point you wouldn't have changed a thing? Like you are happier to get to this moment? You've gone through that and it felt all the sweeter? Or Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when I was first granted residency down at Point Roberts and driving back up to Van, I was like literally like cheering in the car yeah. and blasting tunes and just Can't like screaming, come on. And like I was ecstatic. It was yeah. a huge moment. Did you cry? Nah, tears <laughs> of joy. But yeah, <laughs> Maple, it is Sweet everything. maple syrup tears. <laughs> it all melts off your back and you don't quite realise even with that ordeal, I mean, you've got, a, during those moments, you're mentally prepared. You, you're taking so much on that you don't realise till it all melts away how much you really were taking on, right? The weight of the world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. Like, you know, 
for everybody to kind of realise when you are going through all these kind of stresses because um, when you are your home citizen, you're born in your country and you grow up and you never thought you ever have to go through anything like this and that you are valuable to the economy and society and, and your own country of, of birth. You've, you feel like your sense of uh, value. But uh, here it's kind of like, well, if you're not really bringing much um, in, then they don't really need to, to have you. And you just you just become a bit more of another either stat, a number, or you are just that piece of paperwork that someone is looking at and making a decision on your life here and your lifestyle. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very daunting. You've you got to get everything right. Um, you've got to... You know, keep on living and breathing, doing your thing and, and keep it on the positive attitude. And I mean, when you're going through that process, you don't even realise until it's over. But during it, I mean, it is in the back of your head 24-7. I think I mentioned it last podcast. You don't realise until it's over and you just feel this oh, huge yeah. weight. I mean, I'm not I'm not through the process. But <laughs> I've, I've done the, the hard yards, but I think Keegan can attest that I've had some pretty rough moments whenever I get super stressed oh, yeah. about anything. <laughs> I just message or call Keegan straight away with, just the most ridiculous rants or queries or melt, gotta, meltdowns. Gotta, I think meltdowns <laughs> is the best. The is best it important to have that have that person to call though when you're going through all these stresses? I think so. For me, there's two people. There's my friend Carly and Keegan, and they know what I'm like because I tend to overreact and jump to conclusions a bit too much. And so, especially to have someone like that that I live with, it uh, to just calm me down and. Uh, I think Keegan's probably a bit more grounded in most situations than I am, so it is very important for me to. Well, to I know have I might that. come across that way, but <laughs> when I was going Deep through all the time, yeah. I've already just been there, won the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. it. It's it's going through those moments. So, I mean, obviously, Mikey, yeah, you're going through it right now, but listening to these kind of challenges and these hardships, you know that there's kind of that uh, that outline's been set there. You know kind of the do's and don'ts. You, you know what can happen, but it's also your own personal journey and we're embarking on that right now. But we're all here for you. That's what I, I'm trying to say. I remember one of the, the most ridiculous meltdowns I had was when I was back in Australia last Christmas for a holiday that got extended due to visa extension issues. Yep. And to get your permanent residency, you have to undergo a medical exam here as James and Keegan probably know and I message Keegan I go mate listen what kind of test do they do in the exam I'm worried because you're thinking you know no no because I'm like oh um yeah like because I'm vegan I have I have like an a low iron count um do you think that'll be okay (laughs) (laughs) deny like I was being genuinely (laughs) concerned about this Keegs is like yeah, mate, you're definitely not going to get in. They don't want anybody with low iron just like geeing me up. Yeah. I message, no anemics allowed. I yeah. message my mate Carly the exact same thing. She's like, yeah, you're fucked, mate. You're not going to be able to get back in. They go, Sorry, no, bro. dickhead. They're looking for actual diseases that are going to wipe out the Canadian population, not a iron deficiency. Low iron count. <laughs> Jesus, man. Well, that's uh, it's sweet that, but you these know, are the it, things it shows, yeah. It's in the it back gets, of your head. It gets into your head and it yeah. can really it can really fuck with you. So they didn't detect your smallpox then? Uh, not at this stage, mate. Okay, but good, uh, good, good. we'll we'll yeah. <laughs> Again. Uh, thankfully. Well above board. Cover up does a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that is uh, one hell of an ordeal, man. And you're you're here and uh, yeah. We're happy to have you. 
That's uh, say not just on the podcast, but I think a very uh, worthy inaugural guest. Thanks, after all yeah, that yeah. ordeal, I Would, think so. Wouldn't you say, That's, mate? I had yeah. to fight to have you on as the first guest. Yeah. These guys wanted everybody. Uh, <laughs> I fought them. I fought them to the bloody death to have you on. Oh, I hope it was <laughs> it just makes it. things yeah. uncomfortable <laughs> now, doesn't it? Yeah, don't don't mention it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's those feelings that yeah, that's that's what the podcast is all about. It's how do we get here? What are we up mm. to now? And hearing those stories, it's really. I mean, think what you've gone through to get here. And we're all sat here, and again, we always mention this on our podcast. We're looking out the window here, lovely mountain views, and uh, and it's really those that make it all worth it. It's 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 those all. Totally does. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot of moments I've experienced the outdoors here in Canada, and I'm just pinching myself constantly. Either I'm playing golf at the base of mountains that are snow capped, or to anything like sitting in natural hot tubs with like fresh snow falling down up up north in Pemberton, and uh, yeah, like constantly always just being amazed by uh, Canada and, and North America in general when go travelling. Uh, awesome place to be. So, what's what's the big plan then for the future, mate? Not to put you on the spot. Do you think you'll ever get back to Australia or this do the is full it? citizenship thing here? You're done. Or? Full citizenship. Eric, oh, yeah, yeah going to be going for the passport. Just because when I retire, I want to access my funds here and then come back later when I'm a bit older and travel. Get, get your pension. Pick up that pension. So, so now that you have PR, what does it take to become a citizen? Because James, you'd be pretty close. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the process right now. Oh, so okay. I am. Oh, that's, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in trade. I want to know a bit more. Well, it, it is, uh, it's basically what you've done is the hard stuff. So you've done the permanent residency. Now it is just a case of crossing T's, dotting I's. It's all formality. Um, you just have to be here X amount of days after becoming a permanent resident to be eligible. And you can actually do that calculator online and it'll tell you the date. So for me, it was February 6th, 2019. So I was waiting, okay. counting down. You know that that year. So that's the next step for you. Do that calculator time since you became a PR, and then it comes along, and then it is just submitting, you know, wage slips and proof that you've been in the country. You have to keep track of every time you've left and come back. So that was the yeah. only thing. So yeah. any time you've gone to surely the, US, the government have them records though. Can uh, they check that themselves? Yeah, uh, lazy. Uh, so <laughs> they can. And uh, as we know, jumping through all these hoops and there's things we got to do. We got to take an English test. For those that don't know, we have to take an English test to become permanent residents. Um, And, you know, obviously not everyone has English as a mother tongue. I understand that. But we paid about $300 a full day out of our uh, busy Canadian lives to take an English test. Um, But even that, you're overthinking everything as I didn't want to go in cocky, you know, and just... I actually, 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 actually found it quite difficult. Didn't do well did you guys I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was researching pronouns. I was going all out for it. And Do they then, not so, speak uh, English in Australia? Um, <laughs> it's Australian. Yeah, it's Australian. Yeah, come on. It's, yeah, get with the program. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, Thank you. Know. you. I just got three of the <laughs> I mean, dirtiest looks I've ever done in my entire life. But yeah, going off on that tangent, guys. So that 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 was PR. That's the past. Uh, this one now it is just you've been here. You've done that hard part. It is the permanent residency, and now it's just that again. It's the waiting game. But all oh, the freedom, knowing that you're here and you're here to stay. Your legal residence. Well, some of us. Uh, anyway. Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> no. So you're saying if I don't get my Canadian passport, I can never get the pension that I've been. You can. You're dreaming of but it. But I've got to wait to 65. Yeah, obviously Whatever. you have to wait to a certain age and then mm. access the government pension they have well, set up. And that'll keep um, ticking while you're But you gone. would just be coming here in a Esther, essentially. Right, the, just okay. the, You're yep. allowed to travel for six months. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I think, like, I'm kind of assuming a bit on that. I think but so. it would make sense. I mean, they're not going to, yeah. 
But, Tell yeah. you you can't access it. Yeah. Nah. And the point is, man, we are here for you. You know it. And you've got your own journey. It's already unfolded. So you've already had that moment. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty go with the flow these days. Well, you know, yeah, so. the hardest part for you, Mikey, was just getting your PMP. And as I said to you, once you had that approved and that's um, it. You, you activated it, it was that's the that was a big battle. Like you get your points, you activate that, then you've already sent your resident applica- residency application away. So now it's yeah. just a waiting game. Waiting like, game. If you if you waiting didn't game. if Mikey for the story and record here, if Mikey wasn't to be approved for PNP, then he would have had to have gone home. Your visa had run out. Yeah, your time it had, run out. Time had I completely been gone. gone. It was not on your side anymore, and that's I a mean, big thing. I left it to the last minute, like. Every visa application I've done to stay here, I have left it to the last minute. Like other people do. I yeah. don't know why I put myself under the stress because I always think, oh, by the time it runs out, I would have had my time in Vancouver. I'm ready to go home. And then like a month out, I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to stay. Got yeah. to get this shit sorted, I you know. I feel it could be the best advice to people out there that if you are sitting on the fence about it, do it because once your time gets closer to running out, then you really feel like you do want to stay. Exactly. When it comes down to the choice being taken out of your hands and you have no power to be able to change it because time's run out, then you all of a sudden realise that you want to be applying for permanent residency. Yeah. So, you know, speaking in hindsight of that experience, if you even have – if you're 50-50 about it, I'd recommend doing it because it gives you that option. We're, we've all done it because of it, to have that option later in life whether or not yeah, okay, I can go back home, but then also still come back to Canada if I want. That's a luxury. Yeah, do not hesitate. That, just that's, do it. Yeah, just do it. If you've that's got even, if you've got even, yeah, if you've got a two-year work permit, if you've got a one-year work permit, whatever the situation, just don't leave it any longer than it needs to. Say we've got, we've got Mikey here. He's uh, he's done it, and that's why it's going to be all the sweeter when you get it, man. I feel but, like we we should be working for Canadian immigration. <laughs> the amount of, <laughs> we've got enough experience. We could probably got more experience than they do. And it's just, sure. I, I think and sometimes... I know, how, I, know, I know how to reply to an email within a week as well, which there they you don't go. Have to do. <laughs> That's uh, one up on them. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think a lot of people lose sight of, yeah, we've got these stories and we've gone through things like this. Um, I think a lot of people that are lost and not sure the route they're going, um, sometimes it's nice to have a voice there. So so yeah, it just keep going at it. If, you, if you're just starting, if you're unsure, there's an eligibility calculator you can do online. You put in how long you've been here, you put in your you know, your education, all those things. But yeah, don't hesitate. If this is what you want, you've got to go for it. And that is putting up with whatever comes your way. Uh, it does, honestly, it does make it all the sweeter, which is why I asked Keegan uh, during all that, would you change a thing? And because I know I've had that crazy journey too. And honestly, I wouldn't. It was those moments that now I'm sat here as a 110 year old man, or whatever I am. Um, just looking back, knowing it was, uh, it was all worth it. Yeah, 100%. But I mean, saying all that, um, I want to know what uh, what about living here gets gets your goat? What really grinds your gears? Okay, there's got to be something. We we can't just make love to Vancouver constantly. And the whole no, living can't. abroad is beautiful. There's got to be some some things that really get under your skin, mate. And I know there are. I know yeah, there big are. time. What are the big ones? Uh, pet peeves. Don't hold back to Vancouver. Um, no roundabouts. Yes. When it comes to driving and yes, traffic. Hundred percent. Four way uh, four way stop signs are the dumbest thing ever created. Horrible. Because yep. then it just creates a whole Canadian standoff of who got there first, and then it's also very awkward. Because Nothing somebody worse. Else so awkward. A wants Canadian's to be more polite <sighs> than another person. 
And the um, Canadian standoff is the fucking worst thing. It is ridiculous. <laughs> They'll be daily. there for hours telling the other person to go forward. It's so inefficient. And when there is a roundabout, it's, again, just no no knowledge. No, it's, They don't work. Yeah, no knowledge. I was sarcastically um, put in there. almost yeah. T-boned a bit the other day. Just, yeah, two days ago, I um, had my indicator on. I was actually doing a U-turn in a roundabout, which you're allowed to do, right side of the road, turn on left. And the guy coming down in his Ford Ranger. I was in the roundabout. I had already entered. And when you have entered the roundabout, you have to give way to that person on your left. Just for those out there playing at home. And uh, yeah, he had to lock up his brakes because he was coming straight into me. So get me to bed. No, I didn't actually. I feel like I'm becoming more Canadian every day. Yeah, Eric, what what do you think about this? Because we're really bagging out Canadians right now. So you've got to have some input. Because you're just sitting there giggling a little bit. No, the Canadian standoff is just the funniest term I've ever heard. Uh, oh, but it's, it like, it's quite a bit, actually. So yeah. I've never heard I mean, of that what, before. What else and can I, we uh, apply to the Canadian standoff? I well, feel like well, the, uh, the biggest entering one in is doorways at the same time. Yeah. Someone holding a door open for you when you're way too far behind and you've got to start walking quicker just to make, the, make yeah. it less yeah. awkward. Well, they've it's got not really a standoff, but that... Inner turmoil. All I'm comparing it to is uh, a Mexican standoff in movies where everyone's pointing guns at each other. But if it were Canadian, they'd be like, oh, shoot me first. And they're yeah. like, oh, no, no, it after is, you. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, is, it is whoever comes first to a situation. Let's say you, you, you walk up to the McDonald's counter and like both of you get there at the same time and then the old standoff begins. <laughs> Which one is going to go yeah. first? No, yeah. bud, you can go order your chips there first if you want. No, no, you go first. Just gypsy. <laughs> It's a supermarket as well. You got one item, and they're like, "Yeah, just go, just go, just go, ahead. just just go for it." And then, uh, yeah, that doesn't really happen back in England. But, yeah. but it leads to inefficiency. It really does. Things go slower, and I think maybe Australians can sometimes be regarded as being rude, but we just do things because we want to get stuff done, there and we just get it get it, yeah, hammer it out, get it done. But it definitely can come across as slightly rude. Over here sometimes, I think. But, you know, when I was growing up, these kind of behavioral faux pas, as you call them, those were things my mom would get mad at me for not doing. I don't, I forget to hold the door open for someone at a supermarket. My mom's like, you, you got to go and hold the door open for them. Or like, you know, like that, that is literally something that they, like, well, at least my parents did, like raised us with in Canada, that like hyper politeness. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like the, the holding door open stuff. Totally is great. I'll, I'll do that. I'll implement that into my own manners. And I feel like that's such a small little thing and a generosity act. That's also um, been, yeah, that's it's refreshing and humbling as coming to my life. Uh, example, yeah, I agree with you on that. That is no, not a problem. Uh, it's good. I had a Canadian standoff situation at work where there was a work toolbox that came available. And it was a bigger toolbox one guy had left and it was a work box. It was this nice big wide body snap-on toolbox. It was gorge. And wow. I uh, settled down. Thinking I'm like, I'm gonna go for this gonna go for this toolbox. Hey, look, come on, I'm a trades my <laughs> tradesman here. And I want this toolbox, you know, it's a work toolbox. Beautiful I wanna toolbox. yeah, I wanna get all my tools in there. It's so much space, it's got like mm. a hood, it's got this light. Yeah. And uh, I go to my manager and I talk to him about it. He's like, oh well. Kev's actually already asked. Kevin's already asked for this toolbox. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, no, but you know what? We'll get it. We'll give it to you. I was like, well, I can't, like, if Kevin's already asked for it, you know? He's like, no, nah, no, nah, like, but you're going to be moving to this spot and I think it'll work out really well. And then I was like, okay. So then 
the manager tells Kevin about this and I'm starting to feel pretty bad. And I'm like, this is not on. Like, I went over to Kevin and I said, Kev, you were there first. You went in the toolbox. You've got, he's got more <laughs> tools than me. His tools are overflowing out of his toolbox as it is. He deserves it. Kev he deserves, deserves it. it. He deserves he, it. He's a hard he worker. And I said, I said, Kev, you got to have this toolbox, man. Like, is that, and you wouldn't have it. Wouldn't no. have it. It was like a fucking standoff. Oh, don't tell me. The, on don't tell me the about fucking who apprentice was ended up getting it. Gonna have the toolbox. Because <laughs> I said, oh, that's it. Uh, was that Both in there, double denim, ready to fire. And then we're there in the shop, yes. and I was like, you have more tools than I do. It makes completely more sense. Please take the toolbox. He's like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> I want you to have it. I was like, I want you to have it. I was like, you have it. No, have the you have it. Tool. I was like, man. You, uh, it just makes more sense. Like it's more logical sense. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. I know you want to have the toolbox. You, you love the toolbox. toolbox. I was like, and in the end, I just caved. I just so I was you like, took I it. Couldn't do. I couldn't do it. Oh, you oh, rude! I took it. You rude Australian. The good, the bad, and the friendly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that's see, amazing. See that that that's classic Canadian standoff. That's a great example. So these are the kind of things though that like I'm never even made aware of until people from. Outside of Canada, oh, mate, you these out to me. Go to Australia, you'll be eaten alive. <laughs> you won't believe what's going on down there. I'm sure I will. Uh, yeah, well. But you that's get just doors, by the animals doors, that live there. Doors not... getting slammed in, in your face all over the place. Mm-hmm. I know the question was asked to me about faux pas and pet peeves in Vancouver. Um, any other you guys can think of? I'll put the question back out to you guys. Oh, we've been over a few. Yeah. A few whinges, are. as Mikey calls them. Yeah. A few a, rants. Bit of a whinge. Um, I, well, I we, got a little... Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Uh, group gratuity and servers mm-hmm. making aware to groups. Oh, we talked about this just before we recorded. Yeah. Oh, right. By the way, a good name for this uh, segment of the podcast might be Whinge Binge, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, that. I, I just said that. You stole that straight <laughs> from my mouth. Well, yeah. Mikey just said it's, it's on record, but it would be a good name for this Thank segment. Co- copyright. Uh, Eric is here. Well, the, the group gratuity thing doesn't bother me, but I think I don't think it bothers anybody. But it's when the the server does a little cheeky and doesn't let you know that it's included, right. and they take a little extra tip on on top. Don't say anything. That's a little dodgy. Bastards. So I mean, I mean, Jack, I mean, they don't really tip in the UK. They don't tip in the UK, do they? No, completely not at all. Out the con- out the, if you're at a sit down restaurant, there'll be the pin pad these days. The option will come up, but it, at a bar, but they're, you go up they're buy ho- your own drinks. They're hoping them pin pad the little cash. The little POS machines. It's like tourists from mainland Europe. That's yeah, what they're hoping. They're, to get they're hoping it, but it is there at a typical sit-down restaurant, even for English folk alike. Um, but if you go up and buy a pint, that's the money you're giving. That's the money you're getting changed back. There's not even a tip jar in some of those uh, smaller pubs. I think. Did we talk about taxes, like uh, goods and service taxes as well? Did we talk about that PST. on previous? Oh, the thing that we don't post it. Yeah, in the sales price, you like take something yeah. off the shelf and it says it's five dollars. So you go to the cash register with your five dollar note, and then they're like, "No, nah, that's actually five dollars and thirty three cents." Yeah, just a little something that catches you off guard when you first get here. And Keegan, you got I, something? His blood's boiling. I can tell. I can tell <laughs> in his face. He needs to get this out. Okay, as a car guy, think of the toolbox. Buying a car, you are buying a privately sold vehicle from a person, and you're having to pay government tax on it. So the value of the vehicle and then you're paying tax on top of that, very quite frustrating because it is privately sold. It stems down from the top, I get it, when the vehicle is brand new and then you're paying tax to the government. But once somebody has paid for that vehicle, I guess, you know, include the tax in the price brand new. But then when it is privately sold, somebody who's owned that vehicle 
either or paid it off, I just feel like there shouldn't be a tax on it. I don't see why the government should have to take a oh, little yeah. bit of chunk of change out of a privately sold item. Everything else, if you went and sold a bicycle, a guitar, just a few um, items I'm seeing in the round of the room, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> somebody you else, you're, you're not examples. putting a tax yeah. on that or declaring a tax to an insurance company like ICBC after that, but you are with vehicles. Yeah, I wonder. No, it's true. Like uh, the government double dipping is where I think our uh, socialist leaning ways in Canada go a little bit too far too. I mean, it's such a piss off, of course. Yeah, yeah, straight out. Um, and was there, did you dig into that? Like, there's a, is there a reason for that? It is just literally double dipping, getting a little yeah. extra off the top. No, it's just uh, yeah, the government's I... way of, yeah, having a hand in our private lives. Like, yeah, if I sell a car to Keegan for $5,000, then... Uh, you know, he when he goes to register the vehicle, they're going to ask him how much he paid for it, and then they're going to make him pay taxes on top of right. Uh, yeah, when you when you trade the registration of the there vehicle, there was a over. little way of getting away with it. You could gift a vehicle to somebody. You'd go to the RCBC office with the person you sold the vehicle to. Do I sold a favor, it to him for a dollar. Say to yeah, yeah say nice. like, oh, it needs mechanical repairs. I'll sell it for a lower X amount. Uh, I've, for the record, never done this, but uh, you know, or say I've, that I've you know, tried, <laughs> and it that we're related. It, like this it, is my cousin, or this is my niece. Mate, like, I've tried, doesn't work. Didn't work for what you happened? when I bought my car. Shitty old car. Bought it from this English fella, and uh, he was like, "Oh, you know, you got to pay like tax on top of this. Like when I sell it to you, I'm like, but it's a it's a private sale. I couldn't believe it. Mm. So we go in there, and he goes, "Well, I, you know." I'll say that I'm gifting you the car and then, you know, I'm like, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Do we need a backstory? He's like, no, nah, we'll make it up on the spot. I'm like, okay, risky, but whatever. And we get in there and um, he's like, oh, you know, I want to, I want to give Mikey here my, um, my car. The guy's like, well, why do you want to do that? And he goes, oh, well, you know, he's my, um, he's my, uh, he's my nephew and I, you know, he's just moved to the country. I want to welcome him to the country, give him, give him my old car. And the guy at ICBC, you know, just one of these little brokers is like, oh, so this is your uncle? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, yeah, nah, sorry, guys. Uh, I, I don't think this is a gifting. And, yeah, oh, charged. Oh, right through. Saw, oh. <laughs> right through it. So uh, my acting career went down the drain. <laughs> um, little nephew, Mikey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, got taxed on that yeah. private sale. The film industry is big in Vancouver. They actually make you do that nowadays to uh, – Make you apply for roles. They're yeah, like, exactly. okay, yeah, two yeah. people. We're gonna get you to go try and buy a car together, and <laughs> yeah. uh, if you can uh, convince ICBC, then you get the role. Well, I, I think that's one big pet peeve that everybody in British Columbia has is ICBC, and the fact that you can only insure mm. your car through one provider is absolutely ludicrous and yes, thievery. Yeah, I think of, I was a bit naive to it. I, I went and picked up a. Pre-owned car from Burnaby, a little dealership there, and it was fourteen fifty, and uh, there were a few taxes, but it brought it up to like sixteen hundred, so I didn't really question it. It was a cheap car. It was uh, it's a beater to get around. The guy came within half an hour with the number plates, so he just called a number, and I've got his little business card now. So for me, it was all kind of just like, hey, I'm going to buy this shitty car that's going to do the job, and hey, look, someone comes and gives you number plates. Oh, look, there's a guy there. I, I didn't really see the uh, going to ICBC. I didn't have that kind of experience, I guess, because it's from a dealership. Yeah, probably a smart way to do it. Well, I just completely accidental. <laughs> just just walked into it, found it on Craigslist, uh, got a tax return. I was like, you know what? This is car time. This is, I'd, I'd had like two and a half years of riding a car in... Uh, riding a car. Uh, you know, there's a 
16 speed cars. Um, no, just riding my bike everywhere as Vancouver, incredible bike city. But again, we won't get back to uh, blowing smoke up Vancouver's ass straight away. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I, I saw something incredible yesterday, just around the corner from Keegan and my uh, apartment. There's a, I think it's called like Super Save on Gas or something, like a really cheap gas station. Oh, yeah. And, and gas is being so expensive. Or some pe- of, some uh, people call it petrol. Yeah. Twelve, yeah, it was like one twenty-six or some shit. Like yeah, cheap gas but, there, folks. Was, if you want to get gas out there, was, like a good ten cents <laughs> cheaper than Clark, anywhere else. Like right, yeah, there. Clark and Twelfth. Um, but mate, I saw it, and it was so much cheaper this one particular night. People were lining up to get in, and Twelfth and Clark is a big intersection, two big streets. People were lining up on the street and blocking the intersection just so they could get into the gas station and blocking the entire streets both ways guys it's getting ridiculous uh, you, yeah. you're only saving two to four dollars for you know half a tank yeah. or maybe five bucks for a full tank do you Just remember that not worth the time it's not worth it. do you remember the, my head the price that was causing those uh lineups do you remember at the time uh, it was about a dollar well this is when it was this is probably about a week ago so it's a bit more expensive but it's like a dollar 28 yeah still pretty good yes yeah. but good. Uh, how's that compared to the fuel prices back home uh, been there. pretty pretty on par. I don't know. It's on Can't par. Remember? Yeah, it's pretty Australia, similar to Australia. Also, is struggling to get oil. Yeah, and we're. Oh. I mean, our dollar is on par with the Canadian as well. So it's mm-hmm. almost dollar for dollar exactly. I um, don't know what's going on. Yeah. It seems like our countries are just getting too close to one another. I've had a <laughs> don't like it. I've met Aussies <laughs> recently, just uh, doing what we do for work, who've said that it's upwards of two dollars a liter over there right now. Really? Certain places. I haven't heard that. Maybe over east or something. I mean, Could we're, be. we're far away. But I know it's over $2 in, um, down in little old New Zealand. It's, uh, it's a lot more expensive down also there. Also heard in the UK prices are pretty high. Yeah, they are. It's bad. One pound. I think it was £1.45, uh, which is equivalent to oh, three, three bucks. Yeah. yeah, wow. It's up there. That's insane. Yeah, That's but crazy. it's per. I think it's a gallon there, not a litre. So I think that. Well, you're in gallons? No, we're liters. So if you're queuing oh, up for half an oh, hour. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> what, do you mean back in the UK? You can't remember if you... I, no, I, ca- I can't remember here if we're... Oh, we're in liters. We're liters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure it's gallons. You yeah. own a car. How often do you feel like <laughs> <laughs> Well, with these prices, not very often, mate. I'll tell you that. I'm queuing up on Clark and Twelve. I'm one of them. Um, but no, it's, it is a relief in other news. It's uh, back, yeah, de- about 126. Uh, I've seen it for at the moment, which after months of 175 has been quite nice and refreshing. Yes, <laughs> but uh, maybe we should move on from gas prices. Well, sure, yeah, um, yeah. Know, it's, yeah. Grinding, not the most interesting topic. Grind, no, but it's what grinds our gears. Uh, you know, about the gas price. Definitely have it, had our little whinge binge, but uh, now I think uh, we're going to get into, do, can we call it a reoccurring segment because this absolutely. is the second time we've done it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, it's time it. for a hostile takeover then. Yes. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> we're going to build in theme music eventually. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's, uh, I knew we were gonna get a cameo from the fucking soundboard. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, Keegan, yeah. I bring you on as a special guest, and you fuck around with our sound. We tell board. you not to touch the fucking away. board. It's the one thing we told you before we started. You know it what's funny? Sounded so good. This new soundboard—it's full of colorful lights that are very appealing to the eye, and we're like kids in a candy store, drawn to it. So we deliberately turned all the colors off, and we're still—we <laughs> still can't take our hands no. off it. So hopefully the audio is okay. Um, sorry, what are we doing? Hostel takeover. <laughs> Hostel takeover. Take take yeah. okay, and so then you did a cute little beatbox. 
Okay, yeah, that's right. I remember jungle. now. I remember that. So I guess, um, Keegan, do you have any... Well, it doesn't have to be hostel. It could be hotel. I know Keegan's a little bit more bougie. I don't know if Ooh. he's been in a hostel, but... <laughs> Uh, any good <laughs> any good foreign accommodation stories good bad or um, ugly yeah, friendly I, I guess it was bad at the time good at the end but anyway i uh, it happened in st petersburg in russia and i originally got to russia for the world cup and i was staying with a good family friend of mine another aussie bloke i grew up with and is now married a russian girl um uh, who is, is lovely. Dasha is a, is a great woman. And anyway, uh, he's been there now. He's, he's having a little kid on the way. Uh, I stayed with him, but I was taking my travels up to St. Petersburg to catch a game and, and uh, have a look at that little lovely city up in the water there. Very historic. But when, I, uh, when it came to booking some accommodation, obviously it was pretty thin. Uh, it was a little bit last moment. And uh, there was these nice little uh, sort of like hostel rooms. It was individual like bedrooms and whatnot. Um, it was all private and this top level in around St. Petersburg. And after I caught the speed train, uh, three-hour speed train at like 200 kilometres an hour, lovely experience. Russia have done very, very well with their trains over the years, something they pride themselves on. Get up to St. Petersburg. I'm walking down some streets, eventually get to alleyways. Some very old, rustic-looking buildings around. Uh, not many people. Thankfully, during the day, I eventually had to make my way inside a courtyard that was fairly empty and up some side stairs to get to this hostel room accommodation. When I was there, I was greeted by only one person who seemed to be the cleaner. <laughs> then Did I, you have any identification to tell they you? They didn't ask the me for any ID. I told them I had the room booked and then that apparently was good enough. She handed, she went behind the desk and then gave me a key. Okay, so they actually did work there. Okay. And yeah, this wasn't that was the passport. She, she, did, she did work there. This wasn't yeah, the did passport they ask, situation. Did no, they ask it wasn't. It wasn't a passport situation. Okay. It, that's what I, it all felt pretty sketchy at this mm. point. Well, like, you see, I stayed in actual hotels because now, <laughs> now who's the bougie one? Well, you got the fancy swimming pool when, when I went to Russia. Ha ha. Yeah. Now, one thing I've noticed in Russia, on the doors and locking and security-wise, it's crazy. It's pretty mental. There's probably about like at least three door, three locks per door. Um, and I, I get into this room. It's nice. It's good. It's going to do the job. Sweet. I'm happy days. But the locking system, like, couldn't figure it out. What, did they lock from the outside or something or...? Yeah, you could, you could lock from the outside. You could lock from the inside. There was a key for one lock. Then there was on the inside the wing the wing nuts where like the fixings you could rotate around. Now there was one bolt lock with the key that locked it. There was also another one latch over lock. But then the big one, it had three long bars, real thick bars that you had to rotate, as I figured this out later, a few times for it to go out once, twice, three times. So I've gone in. I've locked myself once there and I was like, I'm not going to use all these locks. I don't need to – this is ridiculous. So I just latched it over once with the, the deadlock of the key. Slept the night. I went to the pub after I checked in, got myself a feed. Plenty of Argentinian people singing, chanting about Lionel Messi and go back home. I just lock one lock. That's all I need to do. But overnight they'd locked all the locks. 
and it was pretty foreign to me. So in the morning I get out and I need to get myself to a game. By foreign you mean you're absolutely off your tits drunk and <laughs> couldn't figure it out. I didn't I <laughs> that's it. I woke up in the morning, I couldn't get out of the I couldn't get out of the door. <laughs> I just couldn't get out of the room. Like I'm trying to unlock it, I'm trying to move things around. I didn't know. Like I had like three locks to try and figure out. And then one of the locks had three stages to it. And then no matter what was work, no matter what I was doing, I couldn't open the door. I'm starting to freak out. I'm starting to panic and I'm like, this is just, this is nuts. I'm like completely caught out here in St. Petersburg. Sounds like a real life escape room <laughs> I'm alone. situation. It was like an escape room situation. So then I'm trying to phone up the owners and the number that was on the air for the Airbnb or the, the place of the company and get a guy who can hardly speak English. I'm telling him I'm locked in this room and I need somebody to come out. I'm freaking out and completely not reliable. I'm not trusting this situation at all. What, so time, what time of day is this? Yeah, this is probably about like 8 a.m. and around 8 a.m. Yeah, in the morning. You want to get out of there? And uh, yeah, I just wanted to get out because I was fearing for my kidneys to be stolen. Mm-hmm. I'm three levels up. So at this point, I'm like, fuck it. Fly screen's going out the window. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to climb out. That escalated Gone. quickly. Yeah. yeah. Wait, were you in a rush anywhere? Yeah, yeah. I had, I he, he was rushing. Uh, uh, he was rushing. <laughs> He's rushing to get out. So. Can I play that the wop wop sound again? <laughs> get your fingers off that soundboard. Get your mitts out of there. So, yeah, I'm climbing out the window at this stage. I'm three levels high and I'm thinking this is a ankle-breaking height. I'm not too sure about this. Did you think about tying the bed sheets together like a prison escape? No, I didn't think about that, oh, actually. Didn't have the time. 8 a.m., you got to get going for that day. Yeah, he's rushing. So I'm on the little ledge ceiling around the roof and I'm like, if I fall from here, I could do an ankle, then insurance, get back. Like, oh, my God, it could be an absolute nightmare. Then end up in the hospital. I'm in fucking Russia. But I look over to my right and I see that a window's been broken through around the corner. That's so handy. I'm back up against the wall and I'm thinking, has someone done this before or something? I, I don't know what's going on here. Common. This window is just like a like opportunity. So I'm shuffling up against the back of the wall. I make my way around the corner to the window. I climb through the window into what seems to be like almost like an attic. There's like a storeroom. It's dusty. It's old. It's mingy. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, how am I even going to get out of this situation? Well, I'm like, whatever. I'll get downstairs. I'll sort it out. Stressing out. Like, what am I going to walk into? I get down the stairs. There's a door. It's locked. I'm thinking, fuck. Theme here. I'm, I'm fucked. Like, this is also locked. Like, now I'm in some attic or storeroom and I, I can't get out of here either. So I'm like, I'm going to have to get back into the hostel room, wait for this person if they will ever arrive. I'm banging the door. No one's answering. Nothing's going on. I'm like, oh, God, okay. You've got to explain why you're in the storage room now yeah, as well. What are you doing? Yeah. 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 Needing a piss so at this point too. I start walking back up the stairs and I hear a door open and then people sort of like walk outside. I'm like, oh, maybe that's the door. Sure enough, I get downstairs. The door's open. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. Like at this point, I'm just going to go. And I just, yeah. I just walk out. There's a little alleyway, like a little hallway, sort of like I'm in someone's place right now. And then their doors, their second door is also opened and they're outside having a cigarette. And I'm just like, hey, so sorry. Like uh, I just came through and, uh, and they're like about to get up. They're sitting down and, you know, confront me about this. And I just walk off like I'm dusting myself full of dust <laughs> and I just walk away like, oh, thank you so much. Sorry, goodbye. Just spoke a ton of English. So it was just all too much for them at the same time and got out of there. Jeez, covered in cobwebs, just complete. <laughs> you weren't staying there deal. the next night, were you? That 
I was. <laughs> oh, did man. You, did you run into them? Sure, you had to explain yourself. No, I, you got I away didn't with run it. into them at they all. They probably saw it. I mean, if you're locking every door in the hostel, you, they're probably used to the fact that people are climbing down and scaling the buildings and things like that. It was the did triple you solve lock. the lock conundrum? I did, yeah. Yeah, I did solve that lock conundrum. So were you locked out again from the outside at this point or did you have to go back They kept locking them, yeah. Oh, so it was really annoying. Every night they would lock the three bars all the way over. So they kept locking all the locks from the outside while I was on the inside overnight. Because I was like, okay, I'm going to sort this out. Next night I'll come in, I'll just put it over one latch, not all three, Yeah. full extensions. But then... Yeah, sure enough, next morning they'd locked all the way, three extensions all the way over. So it was very <laughs> kind of like over-paranoid, over-security, like you just, you know, there's, there's no need for it. And, uh, you know, it, it, I got spoke to the owner of the establishment. He's like, oh, yeah, we've had this a couple of times before with people and, uh, you know. I'm like, well, yeah, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> but you left Russia with both your kidneys, so maybe and the security, ankles, did, its, yeah. maybe the security yeah. did its job. Yeah. yeah. So all well and good. I mean, could you imagine like how happy the mafia would have been when they realised that Russia was getting the World Cup and all these naive foreigners were going to come? <laughs> like they must have made a fortune. Yes. So many Scam, kidneys. So many kidneys. They just flooded the kidney market. You can get kidneys for just a couple of bucks yeah. now over in Russia. It's great. Can't get rid yeah, of the prices of kidneys just hit rock bottom. It's handy when you have an iron deficiency. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else got a good uh, hostel story? It Nothing's is, uh, coming to mind for me this yeah, week. They're swirling around up there, you know. I got um, a good one on – it's reminded me of Keegan not getting locked in a hostel but getting locked outside of a hostel, which is more common. Uh, I wasn't staying at the hostel but I did want to meet up with a girl staying in this hostel. So it was um, it was in Munich and it was during Oktoberfest. Classic. Um and uh, I, I'd known this this girl for a couple of weeks. We were travelling through Europe together on a Kentucky tour, and uh, we were staying at different hostels. And we got separated at uh, at Oktoberfest, and my phone wasn't working properly. Didn't have an international SIM, and uh, she went back to her hostel. I went back to mine, and uh, I managed to we managed to get hold of each other. And she told me where the hostel was. So I drunkenly stumbled. I mean, I was. It was Oktoberfest, so oh, yeah. I wasn't in a good frame of mind mentally and I was wearing my lederhosen <laughs> and uh, I, I just go to walk into a hostel and they stop me at the front door and they go, oh, you need like a wristband to show that, you, that, you, uh, that you're staying here. And I was like, oh, but it got torn off. And they're like, no, nah, sorry, like, well, what? Oh, yeah, they, they asked for my name, looked me up on the system and obviously they couldn't find me. And uh, once again, another bad acting job for me. And <laughs> like I kind of just torn off. walked off. And you know when you're drunk and you think at the time you're just like, fuck, that's a great idea. So I look at this drain pipe and I go, shit, that's going right up the side of the building right next to the, right next to the room. And so I, I get her on the phone. I say, oh, wave out your room. Let's see where your room is. I'm like, oh, it's only two stories up, up the drain pipe. I can get up there in my lederhosen, my leather bloody overalls. And uh, start scaling up and uh, managed to get inside two, stor- two or three stories up. And I, I stumbled my way in to uh, be uh, rudely greeted by about a dozen other girls. She didn't tell me that it was an all-females dormitory. And I just come 
diving straight into the window. And obviously with 14 other people, we ju- I just passed out like in her bed um, straight away on, on like the, the top bunk. But she had long blonde hair, this girl, and obviously the We're listeners on. can't tell, but I have long blonde hair as well, very, <laughs> very beautiful and luscious. <laughs> but uh, I remember the, the funniest part of the whole story, I think, was when the girls in the dorm woke up and uh, they look up at the top bunk and it was a warm night, so I stuck my leg out from the sheets as you do. Oh, no. And I could... I could hear the girls because they saw my hair, and the girls go, "Oh shit, um, gee, she's got she's got hairy legs. She hasn't shaved for a while, like because <laughs> her hair looked exactly like yeah, mine, and my legs sticking out." The Pantene hair. I had to do the walk of shame, and I remember I obviously I didn't scale back down the the drain pipe. I could just walk back out during the morning, but uh, I walked past the same guy who didn't let me in. He just gave me this look of like, how the fuck did you get in? We didn't say anything to each other. And just winked <laughs> at him and walked off and then went oh. home and cried in the shower and shaved <laughs> <Yes>. your legs. <laughs> yeah, shaved pretty your much legs. in my head. Yeah. Get a bit of heat down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, Mikey. Oh, man. Well. Well, I, I'll, I'll get a little uh, a little cheeky one in. It's, it's uh, yeah, a hostile takeover in Brisbane, Australia. And a lot of these, it's not just me being a dick that, you know, kind of girl here girl there it was it's just how it was and there was this this particular night going back into the dorm we'd gone in in darkness uh, i got up in the middle of the night to get out came back into the room had no idea which bed she was in it was pitch black and i crawled back into the oh. top bunk with a guy and he was like just flat flat out what the fuck and i just like out of there and i just didn't go back in the room so i just like where did you sleep so i went back to, i went back to the van so my mates we had a toyota hiace in 1989 and uh, i've talked about this i think a bit on one of the other podcasts i'd just be hanging out playing sudoku at the bar i'd get out there and Kind of uh, after a few drinks, um, a little bit out of control out there. But uh, I'd found myself back to the, my way back to this hostel, and I always knew where the guys were parked. So I just like ended up knocking on the window in the middle of the night. But yeah, it was one of those like, "What the fuck?" You like, didn't run into him or anything. I guess you wouldn't. I know never what even you saw. Lo- yeah, you didn't. didn't even know. I just like I just like went. <laughs> you going in for that the spoon straight away? Straight in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you it's, check uh, Craigslist list <laughs> connections? <laughs> <laughs> I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, uh, yeah, so just just oh, a little bite, bite size hostel take over there. Star cross bunkers. Oh yeah, wonder where he is now. Yeah, well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up this week, everyone. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, this is this has been great. Uh, yeah. Keegan, thank Who you for known? joining Ke- us. Keegan's the glue Thanks that holds so us together. Yeah. For having <laughs> me, guys. Uh, anybody really looking good. for some work done on their BMW? Uh, look no further. Ka-ching. Yeah. Oh, I think he's. I think he's earned himself a recall later mm. on in the series. That's oh, for yeah. sure. I Great think that's job. a. I think that's a uh, compliment to our listeners that I assume they own BMWs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll be honoured. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing your story with us, Keegan. It's been yeah. a pleasure having you on board. And oh, yeah. it's awesome. If you, uh, if you want to, well, I mean, we're so early on that uh, really feel like uh, writing us with whatever the fuck you want. The email address to do that too is. Uh, Living a broadcast at gmail.com. I'm sure as uh, this show continues, we'll have more social media channels as well. Uh, Twitter in the works, Instagram, probably. It's making empty promises. Yeah, maybe a website down the line. Uh, you know, maybe even a building with our podcast name on the side of it. MSN. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> MSN Messenger. <laughs> well, they're going to be a sponsor. I just don't want to blow that yet. That's so, good. anyways, um, if you uh, like this show, you know, you can 
rate us or review us on iTunes when that eventually happens as well. <laughs> Maybe more empty promises. But yeah, uh, for now, um, my name is Eric. I'm James. I'm Mikey. Keegan. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Cheers.